1: All right, this is Paul Liener, Jr., and we have a little bit of a special drop here for you on Hear That Podcast growling. Uh, just this past week, Robert Mays, uh, who's the host of the Athletics NFL Show, um, came through and on his tour. You know, he's going all around all the different camps when he came through Cincinnati. Had a long talk with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Uh, we watched practice, talked through a bunch of stuff, and then sat down. And him and I did a, a, an interview where we just kind of chatted about everything that's been going on at camp. Which, as you might imagine, involved a whole lot of Joe Burrow. And so, thought it was a conversation that a lot of people that listen to the podcast might enjoy, might want to hear. Uh, you can hear the whole thing, of course, w- along with Brian Callahan uh, and the rest of his fantastic show. Uh, Shil Capedia is is on that show with them on, on on the Athletic NFL. You should be subscribing to that if you're not. But regardless, uh, we wanted to bring you just specifically the conversation that Robert and I had here in Cincinnati for your enjoyment. So hope everybody enjoys it. Uh, And we will talk to you next time we hear that podcast growling.
2: You're sitting here. We're at the table together. This is good. I, I like it. I am loving this. It. All of these places are a little different, right? That's one of the most fun parts about this. We were sitting in the press box dining area
1: yes which has been converted into the media workroom yes Yes. there
2: is a lot of that weirdness going on i just had a conversation with the Bengals quarterbacks coach with a mask on from six feet away that was a new one for me there's (laughs) every single day provides something new on this trip so let's start with this i think the tenor of this conversation as we are having it on august 17th is much much different than it would have been if we were having it on August 10th, based on some of the things that you guys were seeing. So let's talk about the first stage of training camp with the Bengals. You wrote about this. A lot of other people wrote about this. And beyond that, the Bengals were talking about it openly, about how uncomfortable Joe Burrow looked and about how that was seeping into an offensive performance that was pretty dreadful.
1: Yeah, I mean every practice was awful. I mean for the offense. Yeah. Now the defense was loving it and they were shoving it in their face and and there was a lot to be said actually as part of that was you know a defense that has looked better than I think a lot of people thought it would. And there's that's a whole separate conversation but really it was about you know Joe Burrow we we watched him go through a very new part of his rehab in front of our eyes in real time. It, It would be like watching him go on the treadmill for the first time for a week when he first started running because he had to rehab his brain. He had to rehab himself for the first time to be around moving pieces Around his legs and dealing with all that pocket presence stuff, which is his superpower, by the way. Yeah, uh, and that's such a, a good and point. It's such a different to, wrinkle. On and it. we had to relearn to do that again. And we all watched it, and he was off. He was feeling it. He was he was looking with his eyes down at the rush, not up at the at the receivers, and and and, and it threw off everything. So every practice, it was like four of eleven, five of twelve. You know, interceptions, throwing right, everything that Joe Burrow hasn't ever been he was for that week and then he came out and openly discussed what he's going through and they started making moves to help him get through it and he talked himself through it and then what you saw was it has gradually changed he's like anybody in their rehab started getting better at it started feeling good about it again and getting that confidence and i think they're in a much better place now he looked great today. Yeah. I
2: mean, it delivered two like really beautiful throws and, and we'll talk about what those throws looked like. I don't know if we're allowed to, but we'll, we'll do some of that <laughs> here in a second. And I think that that's worth discussing, but it, it's just so interesting. The transparency associated with this conversation, the fact that he was willing to come out and say that, I mean, I talked to the quarterbacks coach today and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, and they are openly just talking about how they sat down and were like, what do we need to do to make you more comfortable during individual drills? There's a lot of bodies around. You guys will hear about that in a little bit. And just being intentional about the way we can move through this. And now that they have, I think we can kind of change how we talk about this team and what we're looking at. Because part of the reason that tone of the conversation was so depressing is that this is the year they're supposed to build, right? Even though he's coming back from injury, you have a top five receiver here now. You went out and got a right tackle. You're in year two of the system with an entire entire offseason. The hope is, can we become a good offense, a really good bona fide NFL offense. And if they were going to be dragged down by his health concerns, that becomes more difficult. Now, if we're out of the woods a little bit, maybe we can start having that conversation.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was the, the... You always wondered how long will the mental aspect take? And we've heard from quarterbacks in the past about how... You know, it it took me months. It took me a year. It took me whatever it took to really feel right again. How long is it going to take Joe Burrow, who we have watched overcome every piece of adversity that's been thrown his way since he's been here, and just tackle it? I always, you know, he was the adversity crushing robot. Is and so when you saw him act human, it was startling. Yeah, and it's like all he's doing is acting like anybody else. And I talked to the director of rehab, Nick Cosgrave, for a story that I wrote a, a week ago on the Athletic and. You know, He was saying, I look at it, and maybe people see something different. I see somebody who is still blowing away expectations. He's out there dropping back, cutting, throwing, looking like a real NFL quarterback, only eight months, seven months from a major ACL injury. And beyond that, right? More than just the ACL. Right, beyond that, exactly. A major reconstruction. And so you're talking about, he's like, people may see what they want to see and see discomfort and, and missed throws or whatever. I see something amazing still happening even when he was struggling. And now you see them finding, you know, the comfort level with them. And it makes you believe that, okay, he is going to arrive week one with that same confidence that he had the play before he goes down in Washington last year, which was leading an offense that was cooking. People wouldn't pay attention because the Bengals were bad. And they became all their whole story was oh, the line got Burrow killed people don't remember that for a month prior they were second in the league in points per drive yeah and that was with aj green doing very little and and, and burrow being still learning and t higgins still coming into his own and an offensive line that was worse than this one will be and they were moving the ball on everyone and that gets forgotten because of how it ended, and understandably so, but I think that's what this coaching staff and Burrow and everybody sees because they know what they were and they feel like nobody got to see them take the step in between where they're at now. Like They were at a level, they were about to take a a big second step at the end of his rookie year and then it would be a natural fit for the next step to be where they think they can be a top five offense. Now can they do that? We'll see, but I think that's what that's why you'll hear optimi- optimism from from the staff when you talk to them.
2: And I don't want to dig too much into this and read too much into this, but he's always somebody that came across to me as just very apparently confident, like very self assured. And I think that with young quarterbacks, that voice is sometimes hard to find when you're talking to your coaching staff. And talked to I talked to the quarterback coach today about when he was when he came in as a rookie. You guys are figuring out what how to shape the offense around him. What were those initial conversations like? And he just talked about how he was so deeply confident in what he did at LSU and what he was seeing and his ability to articulate that kind of stuff, that his input is valid and that's how you shape the offense. And I think his self-assuredness in coming to his coaching and saying, I don't feel good. I don't feel comfortable. What can we do about this? A lot of guys in their second year, young quarterbacks wouldn't step up and say that they wouldn't feel comfortable enough to be that lay it all on the table with their bosses. The way that he was,
1: I've never seen anyone at a young age, come in and own not just the room, not just the locker room, not just the stadium, but the city. Yeah, I mean, he knows it, and 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 he is. Everyone looks to him. You know, I always joked. You know, when people, it, your locker room is whoever the rookies walk in, and, and their eyes get wide open when they're like in awe of them. Yeah, that's your locker room for here forever. It was AJ Green and Gino Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and a lot of guys that had a lot of skins on the wall. And that's why it was important for them to clear all of them out because this locker room needs to be Joe Burrow and it needs to be Sam Hubbard and Jesse Bates and the young core because those guys and Von Bell, those guys never felt like they could be the ones to drive the conversation, to drive the mentality of the team, to drive what the locker room is and the way they work. That's how Joe Burrow have made his reputation And that's how he has changed the way this place is because he he makes it by working, and he's like that, and that is his confidence. His confidence is I'm going to outwork you, and I'm going to be better than you, and I'm going to tell you about it. And that has taken over this entire team as their hope, and that's why last year was so devastating when he went down because everybody knew that already. This guy, ten games in, was totally their entire embodiment of who they were. You could see it. Yeah, just
2: you could feel it. It was was over
0: all right let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right
2: So let's move into what the 2.0 version of that offense with Joe Burrow feeling good should look like, right? So they draft Jamar Chase, and that we know. It's going to be Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. We're living in 11 personnel. That's how we exist. That's where we're best. We know that. That, that, that makes sense. The one area where they really struggled last year, where they need to be better this year, is just creating explosive plays. Yep. And I think that that happens in a lot of different ways after talking to some people today. You saw it today. The two long throws that he completed, one was just a deep over-off play action like we've seen a million different times out of that Rams Shanahan, whatever offense. The other one was a sale concept with C.J. Ozama on a deep corner. Mm -hmm. Same kind of deal. We've seen that a million different times. And that aspect of it, where they're transitioning from that shotgun, empty, let me play point guard offense to we're under center, we're running the ball, we're using play action, or taking shots off of it. To me, that is going to be the key and obvious step for this offense this year if they're going to move into a new realm and a new tier of NFL teams.
1: Uh, I would agree in that. I think you're still going to see a lot of the LSU. Sure. Five. I mean, you're still going to see that. They had you know, Burroughs Comfortable, and I think you'll still see that. To And I agree with all of that. To me, though, the difference between good and great is what do Joe Mixon and Frank Pollock do with this run game? Totally. Because Joe Mixon last year, they were inefficient in the run game. It forced them to throw as much as they did. They didn't want to throw it. Brian Callahan's talked openly about that. Uh, they did not want to be a team that threw it as much as Burrow had to. When you're down year. by two
2: touchdowns consistently, it's a hard and, hard to play any other way. And you can't run. Yeah. And,
1: and, and they were inefficient running the ball. They had a couple of games where Mixon was able to get out, and they were unstoppable. And, that's why they brought in Frank Pollock who has his history as a run game coordinator is he's turned out a lot of good run games over his career including here the last time he was here in 2018 was Joe Mixon's best year at 4.9 per carry running this offense so they pinpointed that as we've got to, if we do that that's when we're a nightmare because if we're doing that if you're if you're getting 4.9 Joe Mixon and the offshoot of that is looking out at T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase with Burrow at the at the handle. I mean, that's when you're a nightmare, and that's to me what would set them apart. Is can they get that back to being efficient and making Mixon, you know, a playmaker, making Mixon the Todd Gurley in his prime that the of the Rams offense. That to me is going to be the difference because I think they'll be able to throw it within some realm of what they want to, but. That will make them good or okay. What will make them great is if they can turn that into four point nine Joe Mixon and not three point six Joe Mixon.
2: And I think that Zach Taylor told me today that in the same way we talk about Joe Burrow getting used to his knee, Jamar Chase needs to get used to the NFL. Yep, I mean that's going to be a transition as somebody who could really bully people at LSU. You look at the type of player he was. That's kind of why I was concerned about him coming out. But like, what does this guy look like? in a world where he's playing against the best sec corner every week how does that translate and i think that he's kind of had to get used to playing against more press man coverage playing against seems totally different coverage structures all the time so that is going to be a transition but if he can figure it out i think it works if the running game comes together and he is that guy that can be your number one option from day one they have a lot of upside as an offense, but I don't
1: think they need him to be number. I think I think T. Higgins is is the number one from day one. I I think people underestimate what T. Higgins is going to be. That's this totally year. fair. And 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 I think next year. And, and Chase may come in and have a Justin Jefferson year. Who knows? Say 1A, 1B. He doesn't
2: need right. to be
1: Justin Jefferson. But either. I think the fact they don't need him to be that right away helps them a lot. Totally. Because I, T is ready to be that guy. That pa- that torch was passed last year. I've run this set. He is so at, much bigger than I expected him to be. I've never seen him and a person he's gotten before.
2: gotten bigger since last year. I thought year. he was a tight end. I legitimately <laughs> thought he was a tight end when I saw him. Because he was standing on the same side as Chase. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. The tight end is in the slot. I looked down at my roster. It it's T-Higgins. 85. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and I mean, he, he looks, but he, he worked. He talked a lot about about how last year he was not diligent coming in with his body being right and understanding that in the NFL and felt that held him back a lot. And he did. He had a hamstring injury early. And that was why he had a slow start in games that Joe Burrow and T Higgins started together last year. Eight of them. The pace for a full season was T Higgins with 1200 yards and over 10 touchdowns and 15 yards uh per reception. That was the eight with just when they played together because Higgins didn't get started until a few in. To me, that's what T. Higgins is for them right now and can be if they need him to be. He goes into this offseason then and it attacks, he realizes what needs to be physically that he needs to be mini Megatron or Allen Robinson or whatever you want to comp him to at this point and and takes that on in a big way and shows up and everyone's like, whoa. Like, you're taking this serious, and that makes everybody take things more serious when you see a guy like that who had a great year approach the offseason and come in like he did, ready to go.
2: It's interesting that you mentioned those two guys because I think that is where Jamar Chase fits into this equation, right? Because what T Higgins can be is that big, outside, contested catch, like muscling people. They don't have that, I'm going to throw it to you, six yards past the line of scrimmage, you turn it into a 40-yard game. And they need Jamar Chase to be that because Absolutely. that is an aspect of their offense they missed last year. Do you want to talk about the five elephants in the room? <laughs> Hopefully they'll move like elephants because they're in the wide zone now. Yeah. The offensive line has yeah. obviously been a point of conversation, even between you and I over yeah. the last six months or so. We're past the Penny Soldier Chase time. We are, we are, are living we? in a different world. Well, we are. Can we be? It's over. You cannot live <laughs> in the past, Paul. I, 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 I tell people this on, on Twitter all the time. They don't listen to me. You cannot live in the past. This is what we're working with here. So you have this line. The hope. I'd assume on draft day when you draft Jackson Carmen as a guard in the second round is that he will be a starter Mm -hmm. as things currently sit. It doesn't seem like that has happened. So now (laughs) the one change that we've made from last year's line, essentially when guys are healthy is Riley reef is the right tackle. All the other guys are usual suspects. How are we feeling about that on August 17th? I mean, not super. I, I, you know, (laughs) I I think I,
1: I say this, I'll say this. I mean, you know, when we had that discussion, and this will be the last thing I'll say about that, was I said the reason why I was maybe team Sewell was because I've seen this team draft offensive linemen for a decade. Poorly. Yeah. And this was why. This was the this was our concern, dude. Right. Like this is it. Is they're gonna draft the wrong guy. And right now it is. Way too early to declare anyone two, in this league that was drafted into bus. camp. Two, no, I'm. So I want to make it clear I'm not doing that. But he is not going to start week one. He's barely practicing because he's with the threes and the twos, and they're they're working through a lot of rookie maturity, weight, all these things that happen to a lot of rookies that come into the league. They're working through that. So they're as far as answers. You know, I'm comfortable with Quentin Spain at left guard. As a veteran who has 64 starts, who I who is motivated, and I think you know what he's going to be. Health is the only
2: thing with him. He's just been hurt a lot. Yeah,
1: and and so so and and so you have Trey Hopkins at center. Your two bookends you're comfortable with with the right tackle, Reef, being a major upgrade over Bobby Hart. It's about this right guard spot, and there's just you know they've got a bunch of guys who Xavier Suafilo, you know who he is. So they're kind of letting him. They've hang got out. all
2: the guys who have yeah. been the third guard on a lot of NFL yeah. teams. They've got every
1: single one of them. Yeah, they've and your hope and and they have a fourth round guy in Deontay Smith who's kind of been the talk of camp. Who was out of East Carolina as a project tackle and showed up here and was muscling and bullying people and had reworked his body and made him think maybe he can play guard. He's gotten in there and been better than anybody. Now he does a lot of rookie stuff. He has a lot of technique stuff. He's very much a rookie from East Carolina. But he's really looked good, and they're giving him every chance to go prove that maybe he could be that guy, maybe not immediately, but maybe he could be that be that guy and maybe they did draft the guard they needed in this draft it was just two rounds later and that, didn't that's realize funny why that it happens. happens
2: it does happen a all decent amount especially the time, in the interior
1: of the line it happens more often than you think all the time it does and and so maybe that maybe that maybe they still got it right in dumb luck but you know I think that's the hope but for now, I think they can be good enough i if they put the veterans out there you know and, and we in and early on and wait and see what happens with, with the younger guys to to let the rest of the offense cook and and see if it works you know i mean we are kind of you are on that tightrope again though can they work themselves to average we'll see
2: let's talk about the defense very quickly mm-hmm. they've spent a lot of money on this defense it, it, the way I would describe it is it, they've microwaved the defense. That's, I love that term.
1: I've been using that. I hope I, you mind. I've been stealing that's that. That's totally fine.
2: <laughs> and that, they, they threw the defense in the microwave. Yeah. When you look at DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Trey Waynes, Von Bell, Jadobi Awuzie, Mike Hilton, this is a defense built through free agency. But mm. Point blank. I mean, that's what it is. They are also the 27th best defense in the league last year. If they can't get a lot better, we got a lot of questions to ask here. Yeah.
1: I No, totally agree. I mean, and I think there's a lot of pressure on them to be better because they have put so much in Larry ganjobi who you didn't mention. Yeah, yeah so might it's be, hard to get them all. Yeah, I mean, he might be the most important guy of all of them because here's what happened last year. This team was decimated on their defensive line, particularly on the interior. Everybody missed the whole season, right? You know, you, Gino Atkins, you know, got hurt, whatever's going on, you know, his career's older, all those things was a total non-factor. The Carlos Dunlap situation blows up in their face. Yep. DJ Reader, they pay fourteen million dollars to most, you know, to be all everything nose tackle. He makes it four games and blows his quad up. You know, Hubbard. I four games. Yeah, Hubbard uh, gets hurt. He misses time. That I mean, they were playing guys off the street in like midseason across the board. They were major moments, just defining moments of games where all four guys on the front were not on the roster in August and. That and they got no pressure. They were bottom leads in sacks. They had no pressure. And so, particularly, they had to reinvigorate their interior pass rush. Ogan Joby, they really believe they found, they think that he should be a three-technique and was playing a bit out of position in Cleveland. They can Mm -hmm. really unlock him. Early on in camp, he looks phenomenal. He looks like they maybe they have be onto something there. And Hendrickson and Hubbard. And reader, and oh, Joseph Osai, who they drafted in the third round, who was awesome in their preseason opener. Cam Sample, they drafted in the fourth round. Tyler Shelvin, they drafted in the fifth round. They have just thrown everything. They're throwing at
2: bodies it. at the problem.
1: Every, all of yeah. it. and saying it's going to work itself out because we believe that some of these guys are going to work out. And I and I tend to believe it too. I think if you change that, I think you this defense is viewed and plays much differently. They just They were victims of their own lack of pressure last year, and they had Carl
2: Lawson, (laughs) but they had nothing else. So it's interesting because the guys you listen off, especially on the front, Hendrickson, DJ Reader, Egan Ogunjobi, whatever, especially with Hendrickson and Reader, they're paying sticker prices for those guys. They're paying elite money for not elite players, and that can get you in trouble. And I think even Trey Waynes might also fall into that category. He would, yeah. They're spending the seventh most money in the NFL on defense this year to the cap. The teams above them are better on defense than the Bengals are, that's all I'll say. But the nice part is they're spending no money on the offense, and the offense should be the better unit, right? You have two rookies at receiver. You have Tyler Boyd on a reasonable deal. You have Joe Burrow on a rookie deal. You have Riley Reef making whatever a one-year 33-year-old tackle makes. Your left tackle is on a rookie deal. Joe Mixon just got paid, but for the most part, these are guys in the early stages of their careers. Can they afford to overpay a little bit on defense over the next two years as this offense grows while it's cheap? I think that is going to be the big challenge.
1: It's it's the bet they made. I mean, It's when people talk about how are you going to take advantage of the rookie contract. That's how they did. Yeah, they they, and I, I personally like the dynamic of getting the young offense that grows together. I think it makes total sense. I mean, we saw it happen with AJ Green, and that's that's how they treated the last two off seasons. I mean, they did the same investment last off season in free agency. By the way, the team that literally has never paid anything in free agency. That's weird. It's very strange. Like the leaders. I mean, it's insane the the new the, the new school of thought there. But as they've gutted this roster they have spent everything on defense and they've tried to grow the offense from, and so now they have an offense that has every major piece under contract for the next two years and they, they can be better together and but the defense needs to be better right away because they have guys that are vets, they're guys on their second contracts. They're guys that should be out there trying to, you know, you, you hope make good on that. And if they overpay, they over, they did overpay, but I, it's the luxury of the rookie deal they're totally. living in right now where they can afford to overpay in order to make sure they got somebody and don't get
2: stuck with nobody. And, but the, this only works. This plan only comes together if the offense is really, really good. Oh, yeah. The defense needs to be, if the defense is average, can the offense be really, really good? Yeah. And I think the chances of that are a little, I feel. A little bit better about those chances now than I did reading your stuff a week. Oh, yeah, that's what
1: I as, was, as did I watching it. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the, 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 the makeup of this team, if they do what they want to do, is the 16th ranked defense, the 18th best offensive line, and an offense that's top five. That's what it needs to look like. And honestly, look at the teams that are playing at the end every year. They usually have something that can
2: oftentimes be in that realm sometimes. Awesome. Well, we just spent 23 minutes talking about the Bengals as we discussed Look at you as we discussed earlier today. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this team over I the know. last 6 months and I've enjoyed it. It's a fascinating they're, team.
1: honestly I've I have i have covered them when they were going to the playoffs every year and inherently boring. Uh they're fa- <laughs> so true.
2: They're fascinating.
1: Yeah. They're, they're fascinating really right now. They're a, they're an incredible case study in the league. They got a lot of young fun players and I don't know if they're going to win anything. But, uh I do know that' they're a really fun team to
2: watch to see what happens because the spectrum of possible results is very wide. I totally agree, and that's why we're doing this. All right, buddy. It was so good to see you. was good so to good see you to here. chat with you. I really appreciate the time we will catch up i'm sure with what no matter where it ends up on those on that spectrum, we will yeah. talk about it <laughs> there's no doubt. thanks buddy yep. Yeah.